Good morning, church. Let me tell you, to hear, to hear real live people and to see real live people, it is refreshing. So good morning to you. Good morning to those of you that are live streaming with us today. It's great to come together as the church on what is known as Pentecost, which is the birthday of the church. It's where God sent the Holy Spirit in a remarkable way and it changed the world through those disciples 2,000 years ago and today too. So welcome, glad you're with us. Uh, thank you for uh, making your way in and as we go through some of these unknown, uncertain, strange times, uh, we do have a God who is always faithful and constant. So what we're gonna do in the beginning of this service is, uh, I wanna say about a month ago I asked for pictures. Many of you sent pictures and uh, we're gonna put that together with one of my well, new favorite songs, it's about two months old now, is called Waymaker. We have a God who is a miracle worker who loves people like you and me. And as we've been online for, what, 11 weeks now, um, we, we thought, okay, those of you that have watched online, let's have, put a picture up and uh, celebrate that God is with us wherever we are at all times. So let's listen. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord.
His name is above, his name is above depression. His name is above loneliness. Oh, his name is above disease. His name is above cancer. His name is above every other name. Jesus. and singing. Stand if you like. Let's cry out to the Lord. So take me to the river 
voice. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. Come on, sing it. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. be seated. I have to tell you, this week has been an emotional roller coaster uh, in anticipation of today. I mean, just the, the prayer, the work, the uh, just thinking about being able to see people like you, um, lots of joy. And then we come across a situation in our country that was a sobering reminder of why we need to come together. And maybe, you know, I say the name George Floyd, and, and I don't know what comes through your mind, but for me, it's a reminder of how, how sin is ugly. And you could think all sorts of things about what happened, but I'll just say this. For me, it's a reminder of my sin. And you, could, you look at the protests, you look at the rioting, you look at... Um, a, a man whose life was taken from him and those around him and their feelings. What do we do? That's the amazing thing about God. He, just, he doesn't leave us on our own and say, you just figure it out. Instead, he gives us instruction. How to navigate through this and also your sin and my sin. So I want to bring you to the Old Testament, to Second Chronicles, and I think God nails it right on the head. He says this, if my people who are called by my name, that's you and me, okay? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So I'm hoping what you, you get from this scripture verse, it starts with you. It starts with me. If my people, you and me, if we humble ourselves, in other words, 
we come to terms with two important truths. Number one, there is God who is perfect and loving and kind and compassionate. And then there's us. Broken, fragile, sinful, lost. That's what humble means. And if we come before him and we seek his face, then he'll bring forgiveness and he will bring healing. So I want to take us on that journey in prayer right now. So if you would, just kind of get all the distractions away and let's go before the throne of God's grace and mercy. Okay, God, it's time to get real. It's time for us to acknowledge to you um, it's, it's our sin that's the problem. It's not just, to quote, the sin in Minneapolis. It's the sin in my heart, our heart. And we know according to your word, that sin is detestable. You hate that sin. But we also know in your word that your love for us moved you to do the unthinkable. Uh, your love for us moved you to do what we needed most desperately. So thank you for sending your son. Thank you for all that he did and on the cross and that tomb and in his resurrection. And because of that, there is forgiveness. And because of that, there is a healing that takes place. And so we ask now that your Holy Spirit that was powerfully given 2,000 years ago would powerfully come right now. And as we live in that forgiveness, we would share that forgiveness wherever we go. That your grace and mercy would be evident through your people and through your church. And Lord, may our lives be a bold testimony that your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness is more powerful and more profound than any sin that happens. And may that be our focal point as we live on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So consider that if you would, maybe not just today, but tomorrow and throughout this week. Read 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. Uh, let God speak to you about the importance of that rhythm of, of being humble, going to him, and being forgiven and healed so that we can live as his children. All right, a couple quick announcements as we navigate through what's going on. Don't forget, we collect prayer requests. And right now we're doing them digitally. So the telephone number is 402-242-5051. So whether you are on, online and watching or you're sitting here right now and God put something on your heart, a thanksgiving or a concern. You can text that and it will come right to us today and we'll include it in worship today and throughout this week. If you're on Facebook Live, feel free to, to use the comment section. You can type it in there and we will include the prayers with that. And uh, I'm trying to think, there was, a, there was another announcement. And I can't think about what that is. Oh, I know what it is. Thank you. We're going to have a kid's message soon. So we're going to have the song, and then Greg's going to come up here. We're going to have a kid's message. Normally that means, kids, you start coming up here, but we're going to say today no. Just, kids, stay where you're at. Uh, kids, keep your parents in line. Okay, just keep them in line. And you can all participate in the kid's message wherever you are. All right, may God be glorified in our worship.
is out of longing With groans only you can comprehend And with wisdom you always answer Give the words of life So unfailing And your glory shines Good morning, boys and girls. Today we are talking about power, and specifically the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Because when God sends us out in the world to share the love and the hope and the good news that we have in him, he doesn't expect us to do it all alone. And he doesn't expect us to do it out of our own power. But he sends the Holy Spirit to fill us up with his love, with his power, with the hope that we have in him so that it flows out of us to the entire world. And to help us see and understand the difference between the two, um, watch what happens here in this video. This dish full of milk represents the world in which we live. And Jesus calls us to share his love and the good news of him with people throughout the entire world. These drops of food coloring represent different people living throughout different parts of the world. This Q-tip represents us, and we can try really hard to go from this person over to this person, from here to there, and try to spread the love of Jesus and the good news about him by ourselves. But it just doesn't spread very well. This dish soap represents the power that the Holy Spirit gives us as he works in us and through us to spread the love and the good news of Jesus throughout the entire world. So we don't have to worry about doing this, this job that God has given us in our own power, our own strength. We can rest and trust in the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in us, dwells in us, and fills us up with his power and his love so that it flows out of us to the entire world. And it is a beautiful and powerful thing, kind of like the way that that food color spread throughout the milk. Um, let's go ahead and pray. We'll fold our hands and bow our heads. And boys and girls, you can repeat after me nice and loud so we can hear you. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, please send your Holy Spirit to fill us up so that our neighborhoods and city and the world is filled with your love. Amen. All right. Well, as we transition from the kids' message to the rest of the worship service, um, I want to pray for Pastor Jim as he gets ready to share God's word with us. And uh, so, God, please, uh, everyone pray with me. Father God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for gathering us together. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, we just pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to fill us up. And God, by the power of your Spirit, make your word come alive. God, please work mightily through Pastor Jim as he shares your word with us, that it would enliven our hearts to see and understand and to be filled up, Lord. And then also to be sent out in your power to the entire world. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Greg. Um, <clears throat> I would imagine I am um, like you. Uh, in my life and career as somebody that has been working, I've held lots of different jobs. I worked in a butcher shop with my grandpa, a landscaper, 
And then the one I'm going to talk about today was, I was, I don't know what you call it, maintenance, cleaning, custodian, or something, at Patricia Stevens Career College. Now, you may not know that college. I'm not sure it exists today. But it was an all-girls modeling and secretary school. I know, rough job. My mom happened to be the dean of women. And as I was a young teen, I don't know if I was 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there, she got me a job in the summer. And I would, uh, one of the jobs I would do is I'd go to all eight floors. I would uh, clean out the incinerator room. And if you're old enough, you know what an incinerator room is. Um, and then what I would do also is I would, in between uh, semesters, like the summertime, I would go into each room and I would clean the room. So I'd do the living room, the bedroom, I'd do the, the bathroom, and, and then I would do the kitchen. And here's where the story gets interesting. Uh, so you, you, you clean the sink, you clean the refrigerator, you wash everything in, and it's a little galley kitchen. And then you get to what's called the electric stove. And uh, Kendall, you probably would, you would know this, I didn't. But um, there's the electric stove, and as I have a pail of water, you can picture where it's going, I put my hand into the electric stove, and before I could say yowza, it literally picked me up off the ground and threw me up against the wall. I have never experienced power like that until the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't advise you going through a moment like that. Don't ever monkey with an electric stove. But I do want you to monkey around with the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about what that means and what that looks like. But I want to take you on this journey. Again, we're talking about being never alone. And one of the things that God did in his infinite wisdom, he knew that people like you and me need the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, yes, we would be alone, but we would be powerless. And so the theme that we've been walking through and journeying is the resurrection of Jesus. It means that we're never alone. And today, we're going to talk about the power in Acts 2, Pentecost. But let me back you up to Acts chapter 1. Because in there, we see Jesus preparing his apostles for the calling in which they have in life. So, example, he gives them a spirit-authenticated commandment in verse 2. He verifies his resurrection from the dead by appearing to them for 40 days. In fact, that's what we've been doing as a church ever since Easter. I've been just pausing for our sake at each of the little stories where there were the disciples, the followers, and then Jesus shows up. And when Jesus showed up, he would deal with their issue of trust or doubt or vision. I mean, lots of different topics. But he shows up during the 40 days. He teaches them about the kingdom of God what that is, and their role in expanding this kingdom. He promises to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Remember, he tells them, go into Jerusalem, wait there until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then in that same, in verse 8, this Holy Spirit is going to give them power. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that the author of the book of Acts is the same author as who wrote one of the Gospels. And it's, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts and also this gospel. And I, I came across something that maybe you have already, and maybe it was profound to you, 
But this time, it stuck off the page, this right here. But let me read it. Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And I don't know about this year, why 2020, those words jumped off the page, but they did. And so I, I did a little bit of a journey. I went into the Old Testament and I looked at where do we find this concept of being clothed? And every time in the context of what goes on, the Old Testament, when it talked about being clothed with the Spirit, referred to the extraordinary times of empowerment and prophecy. Now, mind you, there's... A, 110 different times in the Old Testament you'll see the word being clothed. But it wasn't always about being clothed from on high or clothed from the Spirit. There are several times specifically where God, through circumstances, were saying, I'm going to clothe you with this for a task and for a purpose. So I want to give you just three examples of many, but I'm hoping they're going to help you understand that when we, when we are clothed, there's something extraordinary that takes place. So the first story I want to bring you to is the story of Gideon. And maybe you know the story, maybe you don't. Maybe when you were a child, you heard the story and you've forgotten. Gideon was from the smallest of tribes, Manasseh. And even within that group, he was the lowest in his family. So he was really a nobody. And when God came to Gideon and said, Gideon, I want you to, to be my servant. I want you to do some remarkable things. I want you to raise up an army and fight all these other armies. Gideon's first go-to was, I'm really not significant. And yet God said, I want you. And so we have this. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abyssalites were called out to follow him. Now, what happened before? I think it's significant. There were 32,000 men in the army with Gideon. And they were going to fight probably 300,000 people. And yet through the course of events, God kept paring it down. Until all it was was Gideon and 300 Israelite soldiers. And they defeated the 320,000 soldiers. But once again, when the Spirit of the Lord, when we're clothed with that, great and fantastic things happen. Second story I want to bring you to. All right, this, go, this goes, uh, then the Spirit clothed a Messiah, chief of the 30, and he said, we are yours, O David, and with you, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. Then David received them and made them officers of his troops. And if you know anything about David, he was a great leader, God used him in a mighty way um, as a warrior, right? But also as king. But we have this moment where God says, you know what? I'm going to meet your need, David. I'm going to bring somebody that's going to walk alongside of you who is going to be clothed with the Spirit. And it's going to be, again, the reason in which you're going to be able to do great and mighty things for me and with me. All right, the third one is we go to 2 Chronicles 24, it says the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah. 
uh, one of the prophets, and again, what is a prophet? Somebody who stands up, stands in the gap, and proclaims either God's favor or, for, or God's judgment. And so God used Zechariah at the right time, at the right place, to proclaim the word of the Lord. It says, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, thus says God, why do you break the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? And God used Zechariah in a mighty way to bring his word and to bring change for God's people. So, three different examples. And I'm hoping you're sitting here and if you haven't thought this yet, I want this question to come to mind. Is the power promised then available now? Because, uh, you know, I could, and maybe you could, you could sit back and say, those are really nice stories a couple hundred years or a thousand years ago. That's really good. But what about now? And I'm going to answer the question very specifically so you don't have to wait you know, I like cliffhangers, but not with this. The power is available right now. And I'm going to use the person, Paul, from the New Testament. The person who wrote a lot of the letters to the churches to encourage them. And I'm going to share with you two Bible verses that I think really says to people like you and me, yes, the power is available now, and God wants you to have it. All right? So, let me take you here. Romans chapter 5. Remember, Paul is now writing to a church at Rome, and I believe he's writing to a church at Columbus or wherever you are today. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Now, do you think Paul understood that? Understand the context. Understand who Paul is, or maybe was. Remember, his name wasn't always Paul. There was a time his name was Saul. And he wasn't a Christian, rather he was a Christian killer. So he understood death and he understood trespass. That's really what his mission and purpose was. But as his life was changed and transformed by the power of God's spirit and by Jesus himself, he understands how life can change and how the power becomes accessible. He goes, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Do you get what Paul is saying, moved by the Holy Spirit, that yes, yeah, sin is real, and sin, because of one man, sin came and, and really affected everybody. He's also saying that because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago and what he does today, your life, my life, can be different. And now we're going to go a couple of chapters further. And I'm going to use the message version of the Bible. because, And I, I would encourage you to do this. If you don't have the Bible app, you know, from Life Church, get it. Because you can look up a Bible verse and then keep switching the versions or the translations. And I came across this, and I looked at the ESV, I looked at the NIV, I looked at others. But when I came to the message, I thought, this is this is beautiful. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive unto himself. I want you to just keep looking at that. 
And I want you to have that question just kind of float in your head. Is the power that was evident in the Old Testament, and we'll even say, was the power that was evident in those apostles, is it still available now? And if God's word is true, and it is, the only way for us to answer it is say yes. Yes. And here's where I'm going to take you maybe to an interesting place. I want you to take the word of God personally. I mean, it's one thing to sit and read it, right? There it is. It's black and white, and you can have it in front of you. But I want you to take the word of God personally, and I'm going to do it in such a way that I'm hoping you see what I'm doing. I'm going to go back to the Luke 24 passage, but I have some blanks there, and the blanks are for you personally, quietly in your heart, to insert your name. Got that? So, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Jim Thielen, insert your name, are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon Jim Thielen. But stay in the city until Jim Thielen is clothed with the power from on high. And when that happens, when we're clothed with power from on high, something dramatically takes place. And we're going to watch this over the next couple of months. I'm going to spend time and you're going to spend time in the book of Acts because it's not just the Acts of the Apostles because that's kind of the title. I'm going to say this. It is the actions and the power and the might of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people. And I believe that what God did 2,000 years ago in the early church is what God wants to do in us and through us, even in spite of us. But I believe it's going to start with people like you and me being clothed from power on high. And when that happens, our attitudes are going to change. They're going to be changed and transformed. We're going to start thinking different. We're going to start calendaring different. We're going to look at moments, not just as moments, but as ministry. What is it that God wants me to do in this place at this time with these people? It's going to start transforming and renewing our mind. Now, I know you can't see this, but I, I, I did a little bit of something. As I was researching the sermon, you know, you Google clothed on high or something like that, and you get a bunch of different things. Well, I came across a section where uh, there were a couple Bible verses that had this attitudes from being clothed from above, right? And then I expanded it. I just started looking at Paul's writings and how his attitude, his, his life was changed because of God's spirit. So I'm going to read quickly some of these attitudes. And I'm going to say this with certainty. When we are clothed from on high, when the Holy Spirit is present in our life, and when we are, quote, accessing that power, we're going to be thinking this way. Ready for this? I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I'm united with the Lord. I'm one spirit with him. I have been bought with the price. I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body. I've been adopted as God's child. 
I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I've been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. Because he is in me, he is more than enough. Because I am in Christ and Christ is in me, I am totally secure. God says that I am free forever from condemnation. I am assured that God works all things together for good. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am confident that God will finish the good work that he started in me. I'm a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. I can find mercy and grace in time of need. I am born of God and belong to the one who is more powerful than the evil one. Because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I am deeply significant. I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I am the branch of the true vine, Jesus. I'm a channel of his life right now. I have been chosen to bear fruit. I am a personal spirit-empowered witness of Christ. I'm a temple of God. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. I am God's co-worker. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'll tell you, I can go on and on. The attitudes of one who is clothed from on high with the Spirit, it is so different than this world. And I'm going to take a step back and take a, take a moment here, and I'm, I'm, I'm not getting political or anything. When I see all this stuff that is surrounding the horrendous death of George Floyd, I'm watching all these different attitudes, and I'm saying they're not of God. A lot of them aren't. And I wish and I pray that people like you and me in the church would stand up and that we would exhibit these characteristics, these attitudes, these actions in the face of what's going on in the world today. And I don't know what that means to you. I know it means that I need to pray more. I, I know that means I need to stand in the gap for those whose lives have been affected and altered because of sin. So I don't know what that means for you. I'm praying about this for me. So here's where I want to take you on a journey. I really believe there's a difference between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And you're probably saying, duh, yeah. I mean, there's a chapter 1 and there's a chapter... No, the attitudes of the disciples and the followers between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 are the difference between night and day. And I'm going to ask you, which one do you want to be? So, let me take you on the journey. In Acts chapter 1, they were just overwhelmed. All the stuff that was going on, Jesus crucified, died, uh, the betrayal, the denial, and all these things. And they were overwhelmed. But in Acts chapter 2, they weren't overwhelmed. They were overwhelming. God's spirit from on high doing something fantastic. In Acts chapter 1, they were scared to death. In Acts chapter 2, they were courageously spirit-led. In fact, we're going to find that through the entire book of Acts. They were a force to be reckoned with. In Acts chapter 1, they saw themselves as a bunch of failures. In Acts chapter 2, they saw themselves as a bunch of empowered, confident, secure, and significant kingdom workers. That's the difference. So what will it be? What's going to happen in people like you and me and 1C Church, whether we're here or somewhere else? What's it going to be? 
let me bring you back to one of the first slides. This is how it happens. This is how being spirit-empowered and clothed happens. Number one, Jesus prepares us by giving us a spirit-authenticated commandment. He's calling us. He's telling us. He verifies his resurrection from the dead by appearing to us in his word and sacraments. And I'll just tell you, there's a difference about reading the word and being in the word. And I'm thinking in times like today with COVID-19, what's going around our country with this, this loss and this grief and anger, we need to be in the word more than we've ever been before so that the word can give us the right attitudes. Um, he teaches us about the kingdom of God. We need to be listening to him. He promises that in baptism we're given the Holy Spirit. And then he promises, he promises to give us this power. So three challenges for us today. Number one, read the scriptures. Read it more than ever before. Number two, be people of prayer. And maybe if, if you want to be daring, and, and I challenge you to do this, pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I want you to give me the power and the might and the clothing of your Holy Spirit. So I challenge you to pray that and then watch what happens. And then the third one, listen. Listen carefully and intently to what he is calling us to do and to be as a church. It's crazy times, I know that. And it seems like the, the sin is so big and so profound. But please, brothers and sisters, God's grace and mercy, love and power is more profound, more powerful than all sin rolled in together from all history. Join me in believing that. And then living that belief out in all that we do. Amen. Amen. Out of the shadows, bound for the gallows, a dead man walking till love came pulling.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we gather this morning to worship our way maker, our miracle worker, our light in the darkness. Hear our prayers from our 1C family. Lord, please have my test be good at the hospital here June 2nd. Prayers for my kidney disease. For the Chad Swartzik and his family. For a friend whose dad died this morning. For the family of Doc Riley, who was laid to rest on Friday. And the families of Martin Jureski, who was laid to rest on Saturday. For my friend Gina and all nurses at this time, her sister is working in the COVID section of the hospital while Gina is working in trauma and taking care of all the people hurt in the riots in Columbus, Ohio. Prayers for healing for our church, our country, and our nation. Prayers of thanks and continued healing for my dad after his fifth heart attack and subsequent angioplasty. Please help him see that his life is a gift and to make some much needed lifestyle changes. For Mary Holtzberry, who's in the hospital with heart issues, bronchitis, and respiratory issues. Thank you, Jesus, for her 97 years, and be with the doctors as they treat her. We ask that you bring her comfort and healing. Be also with her husband, Ernie, and her family as they care for her. Please grant them peace that only you can give. Father, I'm struggling with depression, anxiety, and grief surrounding the loss of my grandfather last weekend. I pray for peace and grace this week as life returns to normal. For my girlfriend, Tess, who recently lost her father, please comfort her and help her stay strong. For guidance as we plan a peaceful protest in Columbus where we will kneel for nine, please protect and guide my children. Sarah. May your love wrap her with strength and forgiveness. May she know that she is loved and forgiven and that she is a hero for starting over and not giving up. For the ones who love us and support us at SOS, you are our lifesavers. We would not be here without you and we thank God for bringing you into our lives. For safe travels today as a dear, for a dear friend, and prayers for peaceful rest and time away. It's another first and I pray for healing. I ask that you, for your guidance, as I embark on a new journey, may you lead me and show me to be prudent and use discernment as I move forward. Prayers for my son's family, and for my son and his family to know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, and to use their life you. Almighty God, that is who you are. You are the name above all names. We praise you and glorify you. And we thank you for taking all our sufferings, our fears, and our sin and replacing them with your never-ending grace, mercy, and love through your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's take time now to profess our faith in God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit as we use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And before we close with the blessing and last song, uh, just a couple announcements. Number one, please uh, communicate with us. Tell us what you think. Um, we are, again, navigating through some things I've never been trained how to navigate through. Uh, so I want to hear from you. So send me an email, go on Facebook, whatever, uh, about some of the things that we're doing and trying to accomplish with uh, coming together for worship. Also, again, if you would, reserve for next week. You'll have that opportunity, and we'll invite you. Um, but you can go to our website, go to Next Steps. You can find events there, and you can make your way to that as well. Also, when the song is over, I'm going to invite you to be seated. And then we're going to kind of usher. It's not ushering. It's more herding people out. And we're going to start on that side. Okay, so you just kind of watch. We'll have some ushers come forward and let you know, and then we'll make our way through the rest of the congregation. So I want to invite you to stand for the blessing and the last song. Please rise. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Let's sing. Blood.
sunsets free.